Welcome to the Get Fit AF with Angie Fraser podcast, a fitness channel with a difference. We aim to challenge traditional views on fitness and what it means to be fit AF. We cover real questions from real people, including my clients and friends, chat with inspiring and passionate people, and maybe the odd rant along the way. Join us to get fit AF without the bullshit. So the title of this episode, Once a Big Girl, Always a Big Girl, didn't really come up in our chat. So I just wanted to give some background on that in that it was part of our initial discussions between Sonia and I, um, and it was a statement that she had made about the process of getting weight loss um, surgery. And I think it's really important because it refers to the inner work that still needs to be done regardless what intervention you choose to change your body and by that I mean that even if you go through the process using um, diet and exercise as well if you don't do the inner work you're still potentially not going to find um, the most positive outcome so changing what's on the outside doesn't always necessarily translate to um, inner peace and happiness either. I think that's a really big theme here. And I think also Sonia's just um, done a brilliant job of being really honest about going through the process and almost learning the hard way, the truth about exercise and weight loss, diet and weight loss. So have a listen. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Sonia. And today we're going to talk about Sonia's experience with um, weight loss surgery. This is something I've been wanting to talk about for some time now. So I'm really pleased that someone is willing to have that discussion with me. Welcome, Sonia. Hi, Angie. (laughs) Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and have this discussion. I think it's really important because I, as a fitness professional, I'm often asked my opinion on the subject. I do have some experience working with people post-surgery and have made my own observations based on that. Um, But I'm quite open-minded to it. So people kind of expect me to be very anti-weight loss surgery, but I'm very much there. There is a time and a place, but it's such such a multi-level discussion to be had. So, yeah, thank you so much for for coming on no thanks um, for having me yeah so I think this is going to be a great discussion but I just want to start by saying how like we uh, know each other through a mutual friend yes and so then I think I can't remember when I met you I, I do remember mm. the event <laughs> I think I, I but yeah. it was like probably five or six years ago was it uh, well, I had weight loss surgery five years ago. I think it's five years. It's coming up. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure I met you at least like three or four years ago. Uh, and no, I no, you- I met you before your weight loss surgery. Oh, did you? See? Yeah. Sorry. Yep. My brain. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I can remember... Um, hesitating to tell you about it because um I was scared of anyone in the fitness industry knowing about it because I felt like I was cheating oh <laughs> uh, yes but well mm. it, over time I got more confident with that and realized that not every um well like yourself we had a, a decent conversation about it as opposed to feeling judged so Yes, yeah, so that conversation, there was a couple of things from that conversation that have stuck with me. And I just love that you were quite honest with your experience because I think that was like the last time we went away, which was probably, yeah. I don't know, over a year ago now, 18 yeah, months like, ago. Ugh. Yeah, um, but I just, yeah, there was a couple of things that you said because I know that fitness was quite a bit of a discussion in that group and it was kind of about, you know, um, staying fit as you get older, all the responsibilities mm-hmm. as um, and stuff and so you were mm-hmm. the person within the group who had the experience with weight loss surgery and you said some quite frank things that stuck with me and then the other day I just had a light bulb moment because mm. I, I was like oh I'll ask Sonia to come oh, on and talk about this a mouth honest person she'll <laughs> me up front 
No, there was there was a couple of things in particular that I that when you said them, I just kind of thought, well, holy shit, I didn't even think of that. So you know, I have my own assumptions and I have my own um, mm-hmm. uh, feedback from people who the people that I've come into contact with yep. that have had surgery. So I'm really keen. I'm not going to say anything mm-hmm. just yet about my own opinion because I'd just love you to share sure. your experience. So. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, background on yourself, your your relationship, the history of your relationship with your body and your weight maybe and, and sure. how you to making the decision? Yeah, okay. So starting from, um, well, I'm 40 this year for a start, um, but all through my childhood I was the chubby child. Um, poor old Son was the unfit one who couldn't run cross country, wasn't good at sports, came from quite a sporty family as well. Oh, wow. um, and uh, was bullied at school for being fat. So uh, by girls and boys, which was just horrible. Um, sadly, I had parents who um, out of love tried their best to get me into sports and make me eat well they were quite fit and healthy people who worked on a farm and ate really well whereas I just was into my junk food and um, had a lot of emotional eating issues so yeah fast forward to um, over the years from young adulthood um, started putting weight on had two kids by my second child, my weight had ballooned to 100 and up around 120 kilos. Yeah. Um, I am almost six foot tall. I'm what you probably yes. call an Amazon woman. Yep. Um, I um, often got comments um, after weight loss surgery that I didn't even think you needed to lose weight. I didn't think you were overweight at all. But the pressure of everything... Um, on my body over the years, um, my joints um, and my self-esteem, obviously, um, yeah. have just gone down and down and down. So um, I'll tell you how I found out about weight loss surgery because I didn't even know it existed. Oh. Um, I constantly would go to the gym. I'd tried Jenny Craig. I tried weight loss, uh, weight watches at least four times over the years. I would be like, yep, that's it. I'm going to lose 20 kilos. And then it was, I need to lose 30 kilos. And then it was like, oh, I'm, I'm out of my depth here. I can't, I can't lose this amount of weight. It's just not going to happen for me. Um, I was visiting a friend who's a nurse and she said to me, and I was whinging about my weight as usual. And um, I'd had a one-year-old at that stage, my second. And she said to me, "Um, there's a couple of girls in my mother's group that have had this weight loss surgery and they've lost like 40 kilos. And I said, that sounds like an ad. Um, (laughs) I was like, oh, what's that? And she's like, oh, it's just, it's really easy. You just have surgery and then you lose weight. And I'm like, oh, so I started looking into it. I thought that sounds right up my alley. And uh, my husband's like, how much is it? (laughs) no that's not happening so I just was a bit deflated and thought okay well that is a lot of money it's a big investment yeah I'm like I could buy a car for that you know yeah um and then um I started doing a bit of research online and found out that you could access your superannuation I don't know if that's still the case now um, but you had to get a letter from your doctor to say that your obesity was life-threatening, which is very confronting. Because um, mm. I didn't necessarily believe I wasn't 150, 160 kilos. I didn't really think that I was that it was that lethal for me. It was more just on, I was just on that border of yes, you can have weight loss surgery. So yeah, and then uh, went after that. Yeah, so was it a tough decision to make or? Uh, No, at the time it was like, that's what I want. And the more I started researching it, the more I felt like it was safe and it was a quick fix. And um, I was like, yeah, I was focused on it. I was like, this is is how I'm going to drop this weight off because it's just, it's on me like a burden. So it's kind of feel like, you know, taking action, um, you know, very like, right, that's it, 
dealing with this problem? Uh, it felt just like going and signing up for a gym when you're feeling, <laughs> yeah, when you're really motivated and you're like, yeah. I'm going to do this. And at any time I could have hit a wall and they could have said to me, no, you're not, you're not big enough to have weight loss surgery or um, no, we're not going to allow you to access your super because financially then um, I couldn't afford to do it. But um, also I was so impatient that I wouldn't even, another option is to go for private health insurance and wait 12 months. Okay. I was, I was that um like ready to go that I was happy to wait uh, to, you know, pay an extra $3,000 by just getting it sorted. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was going to liken it to, you know, we're in, um, well, we're past January now, but you know, you often see it's the classic new year sort of fitness thing, people signing up for things that they may not be able to stick to at the start of the year and they had they have that definite yes I'm doing this kind of air about them so yeah. it's funny you say that it was very similar to when you sign up to the gym yeah. Um, yeah. or something like that yeah. and yeah I have my own views on those kind of things and try to kind of mitigate that or try to yeah not just capitalize on it with people yes. but if I'm, I'm kind of like the trainer I was just saying to another trainer this morning like that mm -hmm. I'm mentoring and saying look you kind of got to be like you've kind of got to be like are you really sure are you yes. really sure? are you really really sure okay this is what and, we're going to do <laughs> and I, I know from my own personal experiences of joining like fitness first and the local gym and then doing a personal trainer like I had I tried. I, I, yeah. I'm not going to say I stuck it out, but I tried. Um, before my wedding, I had a personal trainer and I lost uh, oh, about 18 kilos before yeah. we got married and I felt Sounds fit. Sounds reasonable. I was, yeah, I was. look back at the photos and even though I weighed more than I do now, I was super fit and I felt healthy. Yeah. Um, but I hated every single session. <laughs> And yeah. also it's your personal perspective, isn't it? So mm. fitness is very, doing fitness is very subjective. Mm. I yeah. Think, um, I reckon that um, certainly a, I have a different perspective on fitness now that I, um, I mountain bike as well, which I haven't done for a long, yeah. long. I'm not a super fit mountain biker, but since I started doing something I enjoy, yeah. where fitness is involved, um that's when I my mindset changed before that it was a chore then it became fun you know absolutely and I stalk your posts about the places that you go to and I yeah. was, my husband one of them in particular I'm like we need to go there I love the mountains so uh, yeah, yeah. yeah mm. that's getting out in nature is another yeah. thing for me. yeah absolutely <clears throat> you feel sort of like more like you can do those things now that you've lost oh, the weight? yes yeah uh, post-surgery I thought hey look at my new body it was like having a Ferrari except ah. the tires were let down and the engine was like a little Volkswagen I got out on the bike yeah. and I was like skinny and I've got photos of it and I went to pedal and I couldn't do anything I was just like uh, it's like a piece of spaghetti I was just like um, I felt sick and I said to my husband I'm not ready for this I'm going to have to build some muscle tone so. Yes. And this is one of my questions that, oh, you know, I would have liked to have done some research on surgery before I got onto this talk, um, but I haven't had a chance. And I'm really not sure if the numbers that I'm after mm -hmm. are out there because, you know, observationally, I've had people approach me post weight loss surgery. In many cases, they have regained quite mm -hmm. a substantial amount of weight, mm -hmm. um, you know, but the thing that concerns me is the amount of lean tissue that's lost and I'm referring to muscle. So, you know, we need that to be strong. We need it to become fitter. And, you know, I've had clients where we just can't progress mm -hmm. weights lifted like you can with a, with a general population client who's not mm -hmm. post-surgery. So I feel like there's a little bit of research and looking into to be done on what are going to be the long-term effects for people Yes. Um, physically mm. and fitness-wise, what are we going to be dealing with as a population or as, as a society in future if, mm -hmm. because it does seem like a lot more people are getting surgery. Yes. Yeah, and you, you 
summarize that really well like feeling like a piece of spaghetti or the ferrari the the tires let down there's there's no go you you look better because you've lost mass and weight and that chubby bloated look i should have i should have known better now looking back i think to myself um don't get me wrong we'll get to obviously your questions about how i feel about post-surgery but um i look back and go of course. Um, so I was a bit shocked at how much muscle tone I lost in my body. I've got long limbs. Um, I've always had quite big thighs, uh, big calves um, just by my makeup. Um, mm. But I I was so, um, I lost so much muscle that I could, I could feel the way I carried myself was different. I was hunched over and I was very, um, like like I said, like a little old 90-year-old lady with a purse in front of us shuffling through the shots. I felt really, uh, I had, um, this is at like once I got to that bottom weight and um, I should have known better because I grew up on a farm and I know a horse farm, if a horse injured itself, you would have to build its muscle back up again if it wasn't in work. So even though I wasn't a high athlete, because of the weight I was carrying, I had quite a bit of muscle, you know? Yeah. Your frame is carrying that extra weight around all the time. So it's certainly not the easy way out. And I think going back to the the whole idea of losing that amount of muscle, Mm -hmm. um, which to me is a big concern, but I feel like myself as someone in the fitness industry, the more I talk about building muscle, the more people roll their eyes because they think it's to do with um, looking a particular way or being mm. vain or um, no. where it's really about your health. It supports yes. your skeleton. It but- is um, <laughs> to the point where you're not eating and I could see my body was, I know it sounds a bit, horror movie but it was kind of like eating my eating me from the inside out because it was going you don't have any fat stores oh here we go what's the next best thing I might just take some of this muscle off your arm and your leg and my thighs became um you know I wasn't anorexic I was and I was still on that stereotypical oh you are classified as overweight Um, right for my height, I'm supposed to be 70 kilos. And at my lowest, I got down to 73. And that is when myself and my husband were like, this is enough now. I'm bony and I have no muscle tone and I'm scared. Like, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to waste away? So. I'm shorter than you, Sonia, and I've been high-fiving 70 kilos mm. since well, the pandemic. My, my, and you know what? I, I knew from going to the gym over the years and things, and even my own personal frame and being so focused on being overweight for so long, I was happy at 80 kilos. I thought, I know that if I get lower than that, I'm going to be bony um, and I'm not going to like that. So, yeah. You'd have to do some serious training to avoid that. And as you say, you know, you've got, you've got to really enjoy it. I try to teach my clients to enjoy strength training, but at the end of the day, Mm. you know, you can't force people. Um, And then, and then you have dickheads doing extreme versions of it for social media and people just, what the hell, I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know, not identifying with it when it really doesn't need to be that way, but that's my big concern. Yeah. yeah, I the first part of the weight loss. So I, I joined like a online Instagram group of weight loss surgery girls and we were supporting each other and that's where I found my support. Yeah. Um Whereas so I've I, had clients who have said they found like a negative sort of experience with those groups. Right. Well, um I was quite lucky, I think, because yeah. um I don't know, I found like-minded women who had had kids and things, whereas the younger ones I tend to find or found at the time, um, they were very much, um, okay, I'm going to lose this 40 kilos, then I'm going to have surgery on my skin and then I'm going to have a boob job and then I'm going to have, then I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to come super fit and super hot and then I'm going to leave my husband. (laughs) It never ends. Can I just get to 80 kilos? I love my husband. I don't want to go anywhere. Um, Yeah. (laughs) He's loved me this way for long enough. So, um, well, you know, there's some, 
then this is where it becomes is it a health thing okay so there's mm. there's a it's a crisis so you were yeah. in crisis you were at crisis point health-wise yes. this is why like tried everything. Inter- yeah. yeah this is why the intervention comes in but I mean when I'm not not mm. um having a go at you but when we yeah. say we tried everything I think that a lot of people are and it's society's fault mm-hmm. it's fitness industry's fault to a degree as well they're not actually realistic about what tried everything means yes. and do you know and, um, yeah yeah I, I know there was one area I didn't try and I should have um and what that, was that nutrition oh yeah yeah what went in yeah. my gob basically <laughs> <laughs> because I say to my clients as well, I won't guarantee them weight loss by coming. If they just want to come and train with us, mm-hmm. but it's for weight loss, every time at this time of year I say, is weight loss your primary goal? Is fat mm-hmm. loss your primary goal, I should say? And yes. they'll be like, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Um, how much time do you have to train? A couple of times a week. Okay. Would you consider nutrition coaching first? Because I can coach you every day with that. Like mm-hmm. I can be in contact with you online, can yeah. give you all the information and support that you need to change your day-to-day habits to mm-hmm. make that change. No. Nah. Yeah. And that's- but people get disappointed when they come to exercise. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. If I, now that in hindsight, I look at it and I think, I would have started with my nutrition and I would have used exercise for fitness and feeling better about myself mentally. Um, And the nutrition would have taken up much more of my time than trying to just go to a gym and get on the treadmill for half an hour, twice a week. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because that's not enjoyable. It's actually not the main driver of fat loss. Mm. I say these things and I mean, you know, I live in a, a, regional community mm-hmm. so it's like huh what's like yeah. the old jane fonda she'd be there yes. in the lounge room doing and she played mum played basketball netball my mum's a size eight and is like five foot tall so i always was jealous of mum and her physique you know her body but- i don't know your mum personally mm. but i'm gonna say of that generation mm. of what my observations mm-hmm. is that they've been traumatized by needing to be small yes and I had a grandmother like that yeah Yeah. and that's you know that guilt feeling of son do you really need to eat that like should you be drinking that coke you're a little bit overweight love like why don't you just I wonder you know it's interesting because I've been reading a little bit about how our biology is um linked in with our appetite Mm -hmm um and our environment too so there's a lot of factors that feed into people becoming 120 kilos and requiring weight loss surgery you know there's a lot of factors that are not just down to the individual well I like to I mean I'm kind of glad that I hadn't heard of weight loss surgery until I was at the point where it was like what am I going to do like you know um I'd hate to imagine these poor girls and women now that go that's all right I can just have weight loss surgery you know yeah Um, so you reckon there's there's a bit of that going on they might just give up and then just go well I can have weight loss surgery and then the next thing is um as I've mentioned to you I know a couple of people who put that weight back on um and one of them went. I've seen a lot like I'm not gonna lie um, and we're talking 20 30 kilos not just five or ten okay well so um you know, my experience is that I have been able to maintain my weight. Like you, they warned me, the surgeon warned me that I would drop dramatically and then I would gradually put 10 to 15 kilos back on and then I would stabilise if I continued to eat um, well and um, not certain foods and um, that sort of thing. Um, And I'm not a big alcohol drinker. Like I hardly drink alcohol at all. So I know that those girls that have put that back on are big drinkers. Yeah. It's empty, um, empty calories and there's yeah. mechanisms for fat storage as well. Yeah. Um, if you drink very regularly and you drink oh, quite a bit. Yeah. And they're big um, wine drinkers. And one yeah. particular is actually sadly now an alcoholic and mm. uh, a lady, a woman in her forties, um, and 
is going through rehab and things like that. So, and she had, you know, the skin surgery, the boob job, the facelift, sadly. Yeah. She's put it all back on. So it's a lot to be said for and going back to like your experience with your surgeon I have heard things such as you know there's better and worse surgeons mm -hmm. to go to the level of support you get yes. but also within the nutrition community nutrition professionals there's a lot of chat about how surgical societies around the wor world surgical <laughs> societies can um lobby governments I didn't feel like it was regulated at all Yep. Oh, I felt like um, my experience was probably a little unique because my surgeon ended up retiring. He was like 80 in the shade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Had no bedside manner at all. And he's known in the industry on the coast as being, um, he was just, um, I was warned before I went to see him. So I knew what to expect, but I was willing to ignore that just to get the surgery done. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it wasn't that he was cheaper or anything like that. He was very good at what he did, uh, but he was just very, um, yeah, no, there was no niceties about it, no support. Even his post-op nurse, I didn't feel like I could reach out to her at all. She was quite abrupt and and um, I was on my own. Once I got home, that was it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I, I luckily had that online community and yeah. did my own research as well online if I had an issue I think I rang them once that was it wow mm. yeah and I mean it's invasive it's like yeah. a last ditch thing and this is going back to my point before about it's not the easy answer because mm. having invasive sur surgery is full mm -hmm. on why oh, I'll tell you um yeah so my experience was um, went to a couple of appointments with the surgeon, booked in the surgery date, was super excited. My husband dropped me off at a private hospital. I was on my own. I went in, had the surgery, woke up the next day and was like, what have I done to myself? What mm. have I done? I've got, I, I, so my online, um, my Instagram account I created was like a journal and I go back to that and I look oh, I didn't there. see that. Yeah, it's private. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can add you to it. Um, yeah. And I did have some people on there and I had some family members on there and things and I felt a little bit judged sometimes. So I did keep it private. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I woke up and I was, I was scared. I thought I've got two kids at home and what have I just done to myself? I've just inflicted a lot of pain and I'm scared. Um, yeah yeah and I dry reached for 24 hours after I woke up I could drink you know the little medicine cups you get which are like a shot glass mm. I was drinking half of one of those of water I think I drank half of one of those in that first day <gasps> and I had a little sip of apple juice and then I brought that up and uh oh it, it and then so then I went home um and I was on the lounge for a week I could hardly move because I had no energy because I hadn't I couldn't eat anything and my body had never experienced that I've always been a healthy eater um mm. I wouldn't say I was eating all the wrong things I was just eating a lot yeah like, I was the kind of girl that would go to the pub and have a massive schnitzel you know chips and salad like massive or a big steak you know um that's me then to go from that to, yeah, just I was on a liquid diet for, gosh, it was five years ago now. So I was on a liquid diet for a few, um, a month or so, and then slowly introduced solids back into my stomach. Um, I was really surprised for the first time in my life that I wasn't hungry, not hungry at all. So, so you all, you would say that you always felt hungry before yeah. or often? Always hungry always eating, always shoving something in my face. So um, it was yeah. a big shock to the system. It was like throwing yourself in an ice bath. It was, yeah. It's funny um, that you mentioned those um, feelings of hunger because I work with my nutrition clients on that. Mm -hmm. um, but there are what people don't understand is that your, your hunger and your satiety, your fullness is regulated by hormones in your yes. body. It is still very misunderstood. Mm -hmm. 
like your regulator. It's your energy intake regulator. But what they're thinking now, and this is my very late layman's terms, is that when, so your body has a set point of weight Mm -hmm. and when it continually goes up, it resets itself at a higher weight. So that's your, you know, stasis. So then you start to your, your hunger levels will rise to that amount of energy intake. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, leptin in very active people, so people who exercise regularly seems to um, keep appetite down. I am sitting at 80, 86 kilos and I can't understand why, like I feel like I'm back to fitting in as much food as I did before. Um, I don't overeat because I'm aware of it more. Um, you know... Food intake, so self-reflection on food intake is mm-hmm. just highly, highly inaccurate. Mm. And it's it's a human thing across the board. Yeah. We we consistently underestimate how much we eat. And yes. in a lot of cases, we overestimate, you know, how much work we put in, oh. in or how much energy we expend, like if we're asked. And that yeah. includes professionals like dietitians they um there was one study showing like uh comparing dietitians self-reporting energy intake versus general population general population underestimated their daily energy intake by about which was measured Mm -hmm. um by about in a metabolic chamber or something by about i think it was like 50 up to 50 percent or something right 40 to 50%, it was a lot. Yep. So you're taking in 50% more food than what you self-report. Oh, and yep. that includes when you use a calorie tracking app. So we, we yep. misreport on those as well. Yep. Um, and dietitians were still out by like 30% and they have all the knowledge around, you know, oh, food. I could not get over how much, like I said, I was on a liquid diet. So I often thought to myself, I have self-inflicted. I I used to say to people, the only way I'm ever going to lose weight is someone takes me out in the desert and ties me to a tree and drops me food that I need to survive for a month. That's the only way. And that is exactly what I did to myself with weight loss surgery. Um, if you overate or overdrank, it caused me physical pain and I would be sick. So mm-hmm. that is exactly what happened. And I could not get over, like, it was almost like experimenting on myself, which is dangerous, but I could not get over how much my body could survive on minimal food. Even once I got to the solid food stage and I was eating protein and having protein shakes and that sort of thing, how much. I did not need and that's the lesson I've learned from it all is you're overeating you don't need you don't need this it's environmental it's emotional Mm -hmm. yep at a lot of the times like all of us once you Um, when I I say to my clients when I tune into my appetite when I'm mindful about genuine hunger and when I'm actually full and how frequently I genuinely need to eat and this is not by using some app it's by listening to my body Yep. I don't need as much as I prefer mm-hmm. to eat. Totally spot on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it is energy intake. I quite often give little workshops on um, the mechanisms of fat loss and fat gain mm-hmm. and everything. I'll do them for free for my members and other mm-hmm. people who come along. And I'm always gobsmacked at the post-surgery clients who are like, huh, really? And I think this is that weight loss and gain 101 and nobody i'm out here saying it i became a nutritionist because i realized that you you cannot intervene Mm -hmm. on weight loss you know um getting a healthy body or losing weight you cannot intervene with exercise alone yes inverted commas you can if you smash someone yeah not not everyone can afford that amount of time so little old me group fitness trainer seven years ago was like huh hmm yeah this is in hand it's an emotional thing and yeah you can't just and and when you put that pressure on people to manage their weight via exercise alone you are ruining their relationship with exercise in my opinion yeah totally 
and yeah and that's what the industry does and so oh, it drops oh. people like you away you know what? I had a post-surgery meeting with the surgeon and I came back and how long after was it it would have been like a month later or something like that and I walked in and I sat down and he said oh wow look you look like a supermodel and I looked at him and I thought well as if you haven't said that to the last 50 oh. surgeon uh, you know but I felt good anyway because I had lost the weight but I saw straight through him and I thought that's disgusting. I love that about you <laughs> right because I'm in sales and marketing too it was a sale yeah. <laughs> Right. And then he said to me, um, tell me about your dog. Uh, tell me what your favorite food is. And this is like a little gray haired surgeon who lives in Terrigal and drives an Audi. <laughs> and I'm like, um, I love chips, like potato chips. That's my thing. All right. And he goes, see the way your eyes just sparkled when you said chips, just stay away from chips. <laughs> and I went, well, first of all, I ain't staying away from chips, but. I thought, is that it? And I walked down. I was like, what a knob. Like, <laughs> what a knob. The thing is, when people listen to doctors about nutrition, they've got like five minutes. I always yes. say, how does your GP get across all of the information on what medication you've got to take, what they want you to do, where, where you need to go, what you need to do next in 15 minutes oh. because I am struggling in a personal training session of 45 minutes, Yeah, <laughs> you know, to help people with what needs to get done or a yes. consultation um, of, you know, anyway. And well, this, this is why, why people, people go for 90 opinion. minutes. This is why people get second opinions nowadays with everything, you know. Yeah. Um, because... Um, they get it wrong that and we're starting to realize that just because that one GP or that surgeon or something tells you one thing it's not necessarily the right thing well not right for you so my thing is that the, the fit, fitness industry professionals and using that word a lot of us need to step up but we need to be working we are seeing our clients more frequently than any other health professional and and we know we're not allied health but the thing is we work less clinically and we work more practically with people yeah we see I see when my clients walk in why are you walking like that you weren't walking like that yesterday yeah. you yeah. see the mood or their you see changes more quickly than the dietitian that they see for 15 minutes half an hour every three months yep You've got, we've got more scope to work with those professionals to make changes, practical changes more quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it needs to happen, but it's got to come from both sides. It's got I to like come. That. I like that yeah. you refer to yourself as the health, like a health professional, because it's, that's the, that's the thing, you know, you're not just some, I've seen. And that's not to okay. step outside my scope. My no, job. No, definitely not practical advice on yep. getting exercise done in a nutshell yep. and you know lifestyle changes you can make for your nutrition that's right. that is my job I'm not here to diagnose anyone yeah. anything like that but the thing is we need to be working more alongside because getting a 15 20 minute consultation with a allied health professional every few months is not moving the needle yep yeah Anyway, that's my little rant on that. So I think, so you felt maybe not that supported, but, you know, yourself, you're pretty switched on. You've got mm -hmm. the ability to critically, you know, review things and go research things yourself. Mm -hmm. um, what about people that don't? Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it's a, a big female thing to just listen to what your friends are doing or, see what someone's success is online and go I just want that and yeah not, and not um look at your own personal um circumstances circumstances I think yeah. me I realized as I said once I post-surgery I I panicked because I thought if I had have died on that surgery table I know that's really dramatic but it's actually major surgery and if I yeah. had complications post-op or I end up with osteoporosis because that was the only other thing that they mentioned is a risk yeah. that there was not a lot of research on at the time. Yep. Don't know if that's changed. but no leaching of energy, obviously, you're not. Mm. It happens with female athletes and, okay. and women who overtrain. 
disruption of menstrual cycle due to the um, low energy availability and that can yeah. be through overtraining, under eating or both. Yeah. Um, so menstrual cycle disrupted, which means you start, you're drawing on, you mm. need energy to run your menstrual cycle for a start. Yes. So once that's disrupted, you'd probably either over-exercising or under-training or both. Yeah. Um, and it, it impacts your bone density and leads to, yeah, osteoarthritis, uh, osteo, osteoporosis later yeah. in life. Yeah. So what the way I look at that then is that even though I was obese slash overweight, and yep. mentally not coping with being overweight up until that point, I was technically a healthy woman. Um, and then I inflicted something on myself to give me those, um, you know, they told me, oh, you, it, the surgeon was like, you, you've added 10 years to your life. But it's, and, a, it's, um, a, it's addressing one critical issue. Like I said, like that's a crisis to be carrying that much body fat. It is, yes. it is a health risk. It is. That's it was, it was. That. Yeah. But it's the intervention is then almost throwing the baby out with the bathwater. If I'm using that term correctly, because it's, yeah. it's addressing one thing and then it raises a whole heap of other issues. They said to me, um, I, do you want to lose 40 kilos to be healthier or do you want to lose 40 kilos to look better? Mm. Um, said to look better. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's quite honest. Yeah. Of um, you because I don't know whether many people would be that honest. Well, look, I'm not, I hate exercise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried my whole life to be, um, a, a, you know, I've got a really sedimentary job. I'm la I wouldn't say I'm lazy succeed or see results at something straight away and get that big dopamine hit then yeah. i'm on with the next thing um and i've that's, now that's you're a product of society well <laughs> I, I i will be honest and like i'm being an honest like you know i've just been diagnosed with that old adhd ah uh, yeah and i've looked back through my childhood with my psychiatrist um and um I would try new things and give up if I didn't succeed. Yeah. And I reckon that that's why weight loss surgery worked, has worked for me because it, it was instant results and it was, it was hard, but it worked and I'm out the other side, but I wouldn't, it would never have worked for me with exercise or, or. Um, Cause you wouldn't stick to it for long enough. And you're absolutely enough. right. It was all mental. Yeah. I said this this morning on a live video. I did the best workout plan is the one you can stick to so I was kind of saying like I had my client there and I say she loves squats which we try to move the needle on her on her upper body and we're doing that in different ways but if I just trained her upper body to mm -hmm. to improve her strength there she wouldn't do it yeah point <laughs> like uh, stop giving people shit they can't stick to this yeah. is my thing yeah uh, just because it looks good on social media or yeah. whatever, you know, they get that little short-term thing. If you bust yes. their knee and their back in the process. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm, I'm on a rant on the industry at the moment, but, you know, hopefully it's going to be cleaned out since the pandemic. That's the big I thing. Think, um, I can definitely see a change in it, it even your attitude. Um, God, I've had some personal training. Oh, I have a big attitude. <laughs> yeah i've had some shocking personal trainer experiences over the years it's a low low barrier to entry industry yeah. but yeah. there are elements of it that are even lower barrier so for if i need someone to come and work with me mm -hmm. they have to have done you know the cert three or four that takes about six months realistically you know and realistically i only really want to work with people that have either got a few years experience under their belt or that I'm mentoring because the mm -hmm. qualifications don't teach you shit yeah but you yeah. have to have them to be certified and insured then we have other parts of the industry where people can go do a weekend course and become a yeah. coach so yeah. and then we're compared so it's like something's got to change about this whole thing and people need to be more I, I said this about fitness influencers too to a client this week in that because she was um, expecting weight loss results from exercise without looking at, you know, the, the other lifestyle factors. Yeah. Um, and so we had a bit of a discussion on that. And I said, look, mate, I understand. I said fitness influencers, they should actually have a disclaimer on yeah. their shit saying, um, 
I got this body through dieting in ways that you would never even consider. Yeah. <laughs> As a normal person. I had have shown my um, diet to someone and I have, I actually did a pre-op diet, which I've said, people have said to me, I want to lose weight um, when you had um, your surgery. And I said, well, actually I was on a pre-op diet because they told me if you don't lose 10 kilos before surgery, there's a possibility we'll open you up and we can't do the surgery. And I was like, okay, Ooh, that was a scare tactic, but I, but it worked. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> um, it is designed. So if you have fat around your organs, when they open you up, oh, sorry, they go in with keyhole surgery. They cannot, um, sometimes they can't do the surgery. So it's managing their own risk. Yes. Yeah. So the pre-op diet was OptiFast. Um, and no food. Yep, cup of veggies, piece of protein, and two um, shakes a day. Yes. So, oh, um, I thought you might have been on the low fiber diet for a second. No, yeah. No. yeah. Okay. Um, That's another weight loss um, strategy for weight making strategy for athletes as well as pre op. Yeah. I think it's actually when you're having bowel investigations and okay. stuff. Okay. Like yeah. It's interesting now, the foods I can't eat now, five years later. Um, I can eat protein. I can eat a steak, but I can't eat a big steak. It sits in my stomach. Do you desire to eat a big steak? Um, I have always desired to eat a big steak. <laughs> <laughs> Miss a big steak. Yeah. Um, can't. I've never been a big rice eater anyway, but I can't yeah. eat more than say half a cup of rice because it That's sits a bit. in my stomach, doesn't digest. Um, I don't know uh, if I if I'm right here but to me that makes sense that um you know Asian countries and things do eat a lot of rice because it gives you energy and fills your stomach yep well mm. I always say to people that talk about you know carbs are bad and carbs are the reason you gain weight how many mm. countries are there in the world <laughs> where they live exclusively on carbohydrates well, and they're overweight? yeah um and they're not sitting at a computer all day yeah. they're out working hard and um, they, need, they need that energy yeah, mm, to survive. Absolutely. Their body needs that to survive. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's crazy that we live in a society where, you know, it's environmental, as I said before, mm. people's jobs. I, I've worked in HR before as well. I think I've told you this. And mm. I just feel really passionately about employers starting to step up and mm. let people live healthier lives instead of expecting them to literally be at their desk for eight hours. I mean, I yeah. used to have a job where I'd get the job done in two hours and sit yeah. at work for the rest of the day. Yeah. Why couldn't I just do the job, do the outputs and then have time with my family have time to exercise. We need to move away from this mm. culture of sitting at a desk. I think um, I'm luck we're lucky that not lucky that COVID came along. We're not. <laughs> I've worked from home before COVID hit and yes. um, doing a sneaky load of washing, getting up, having a stretch. Yes. You know, running down to the post office and coming back. It's not a bad thing. No. Yeah. But it's that it's that workplace culture in Australia. Mm. It's not a good one. It's not laid back. When I when I lived and worked in the UK, we'd be at the pub at lunch and they'd be drinking and they'd be like, oh, you Australians are so laid back. And I'm like, we're really not. We're really not when it comes to work as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're really not. It's just a bit of a myth. Yeah. You go to the UK and it's like free for all. <laughs> good times. Um, so well, I think we've really covered like how supported you felt, that kind yeah. of thing, sort yeah. of spoken about some of the drawbacks and the benefits. Yeah. Would you change anything about your journey looking back? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think I would have, if, if my daughter came to me or my niece or someone came to me now and said, I want to do it, I'd be like, okay, just be aware it is major surgery. Okay. So it's not, um, and it is something that's going to take you a long time to recover from. I'm also going to say to them, see a counsellor, see a psychologist and see a nutritionist or, you know, one, like those two. Yeah. Look after your mind and look after what you're going to feed your body in post-op yeah. years because, um, yeah, 
Um, yeah. Feels bloody good getting up every day and putting on a size 14 jeans as opposed to a size 20. Yeah. That's that's always going to make me happy. But, mm. but there's some trade-offs as you've sort of touched on as well. Did, um, did losing the 40 kilos change any relationships for you? No, I was lucky. Um, it made me happier. So my marriage was um, good because he, my husband could see that I was happier. He was very supportive. And, and I, the other thing is too, and I know, I know um, from being on that online forum that a lot of girls did lose their, uh, leave their husbands. Uh, or their partners and which is very sad um but we talked about that before the weight loss surgery and we um I, what's the word I'm looking for we yeah don't get me wrong god we hate each other sometimes but yeah. we're very honest with each other and I said to him I want you to know that this is not going to change who I am I know it I can feel it um I've always been myself so I don't feel like I'm going to become some hot mama and just go, well, you know. Yeah. Look, Sonia, people do that with Mm. fitness. Like people become obsessed with fitness as well Mm. and, you know, lose a little bit of weight or or start looking really lean and muscular or whatever they want to do. You feel good. Get booty, whatever it is, and um, leave their husband. So I've seen it happen times not within my clients but just in general social circles and I do think that gym obsession is um also not a healthy way to go either or 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 like food obsession yeah sometimes people are searching for something to get out of their relationship but um he was Yeah. yeah um and but relationship besides that marriage side of things I did have a few friends that I hope they're not listening um (laughs) had their own weight loss struggle um struggles and were a little I could tell were a little bit over me talking about it over me posting about it on social and about your weight loss surgery getting like you know and and I love them dearly and I could see where they were coming from they were a bit like oh here we go Sonia again with the weight loss you know yeah rock up to have a couple with them and they'd go, oh, you look great. And I'd go, yeah, I lost the other five kilos. And you could just see they were like, oh, you know. Yeah. So- yeah. Look, for me, um, it does raise some questions around, you know, the frequency of which it is an intervention mm-hmm. and the amount of, you know, sensible intervention that's been tried previously. Mm-hmm. I actually got fired as um, someone's PT two weeks into working with them and I feel like looking back now it was a bit of a inverted commas I've tried everything moment yeah um so but you know looking at this person's food diary yep there were so many easy wins to have made there and I mean this girl was 90 kilos at the time I could have worked with her for 12 weeks and got her on the right track and she said Oh, Soz, I've found a doctor who found was the yeah, operative. And yeah, I found a doctor who will give me the surgery. Yeah. And I just said, yeah. No, and they were like tears and, and, you know, how about we don't eat sausages every day, for example. And all I could think was, mate, you're still going to have to change your diet. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So last year, post, um, uh, during lockdown, like towards the end of the year, everyone fully chubbed up in lockdown. Yeah. Um, I was like, we're going away. We're going on a mountain bike trip for Christmas. Um, I couldn't, in the past, before weight loss surgery, I could never drop more than three kilos. I'd try and then I'd get feel really good and then it'd come back on again. So my eating habits would go back to the way they were. And I thought, no, I'm going to try and drop um, five kilos before we go away get rid of some of this. So I was heading towards 90 kilos again. So I'm thinking, I started getting those thoughts. Oh, you know, all that weight loss surgery over those years and it's what a waste of time and don't want to be that person who puts it all back on. So I cut out sugar. Um, I'm not a big sugar eater anyway, to be honest, but I was very aware of if I someone would say, you want ice cream? No, no, thanks. I'm good. Oh, you know, my husband would bring home a Snickers. No, I'm good. I'll just have something else. So I would just 
changed like instead of eating what I was being offered I'd say no I'm good I'm not hungry but if but I'll go and eat a carrot <laughs> to get a little bit yeah. of sweetness or something you know yeah um I did and, see you post yeah. on that yeah. yeah and I did stop eating bread so I'm not a big one to now that I've learned over the years I'm not an anti-carb person but I am an anti-white bread person and breads so I cut all breads out and went look if it's for you it's a food that yeah. is easy to overeat yes. and i don't um, exercise so yeah the I'm combination well that's right so yeah. inactive inactivity yeah. you know um foods containing sugar and carbohydrates that are easy to overeat they're pre-packaged they're pre-processed yeah. they yeah. um they're not necessarily bad but yeah that's i nearly commented on your post and yeah. i was like shut up angie Ah, no, but that's okay. Um, I understand where you're coming from because I'd hate people to go, oh, yeah, Sonia, Sonia knows she's lost eight kilos and all she had to do was stop eating sugar and carbs. And I was like, no, yeah. and you just hit the nail on the head, the pre-packaged. So I made a conscious effort not to eat anything that was um, overly processed food. Well, it's easier for your body to digest. It's pre-digest, yeah. well, pre-broken down. It's milled. It's, um, yeah. you know, I don't not include those things in my diet, but it's mm. it's that awareness to change the ratio of it within your diet, yeah. make it harder to absorb calories by eating mostly whole foods, you know. Are mm. there any, um, so you say you, you can't, you've got to, you, you kind of, had to do a bit of trial and error with what you could eat. Yeah. Um, so the, that's an area of interest for me. And I'm looking for someone to talk about this with me as well is, you know, new, getting nutrients in. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, standard ways for people who have their full stomach, that kind yeah. of thing, um, you know, uh, that may not, they're not really the same strategies that you can apply to someone post weight loss surgery because the volume of food is too much. Yes. Yeah. Or the consistency is too much too. Like it's not so much the volume. um, Oh, the texture. And I'll tell you what the girl, like girls, I shouldn't say girls, people (laughs) will always find ways around things. So I remember having, um, looking at these girls and they were writing stuff about slider foods. And I'm thinking, what's a slider food? Um, slides in uh-huh. so I'm a, I'm a big popcorn lover I love I love microwave popcorn it's so bad for you um I love going to the movies and hoeing down on a whole I hate popcorn. it see I love it's a, salt, it's a salt thing for me so I'm a salty person I love salty snacks I love salt stuff too I just look yeah. at popcorn and go Ugh. I love it so I was like oh am I ever going to be able to eat popcorn again and this girl commented it's okay it's a slider food and I was like what does that mean and it means you could chew it and digest it quickly and get yeah. more in your gob and I'm like what yes silly you know, yeah like, so yeah. a lot of my um fat loss strategies involve making it making the whole process harder for your body. Your body should work hard for its nutrients. Oh, but, totally. And even these interventions where like in people don't even get me started on unqualified people selling them, mm. but there's emerging research around all these sort of nutritional supplements that claim that they can give you everything you need in a drink. Well, yeah. you're bypassing the first part of the digestive process, which is chewing your food. That's yeah. where your digestion starts. Yeah. I started drinking protein water when I had the post-surgery and it was just like cordial. And I was thinking, how is this? Like you, you've got to try and get as much protein into your body as possible. Yes. Surgery. And yeah. um, I think I was doing chewable tablets as well. Wow. So yeah. I only found out about protein water from a post-surgery client of mine. I didn't mm. know it was a thing. Yeah. Well, it's, um, I think it was an Aussie company and they were in a little sachets. Yeah. Um, but I found the best thing for me was the local gym um, down here on the coast. We're doing protein shakes. So it, they were made with raw uh, veggies and, and stuff. And then they must have put protein powder in them as well. Okay. Um, that was heaps better. I felt a lot better having something like that than just protein water. Hmm. Well, you sound like you're all over it. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story on here. And, um, you know, I think it's important to have the discussions and have frank discussions 
because there's a lot of, you know, umming and ahhing about whether it's um, a moral thing to do, whether it's, you know, whether it's healthy in general. And I think you've just um, shared your experience really nicely. Thanks, Ange, for having me. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to come up with another topic another time, maybe something to do with marketing. <laughs> Digital marketing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And in the fitness industry, make it relevant. Okay. Um, all right. Thanks, Sonia. I'll okay. Talk again soon. Okay.